So what was it that happened last Thursday? It's interesting that in most of Europe, um, last Thursday was, was a holiday. But uh, not here in this country. But it reminds people that this is the day when Jesus ascended back to the Father. And Jenique uh, has already read to us the verses that I was going to read for tonight. Because this is what we're talking about today. The meaning of the ascension of Christ. I remember 28 years ago when uh, as a family we were living during the revolution in Iran. And for the last six weeks of leading up to the revolution we were living in Tehran. And I remember collecting up the newspapers that came out every day. And I don't know how many of you were living in, because quite a few or some of you are from Iran. And how many of you remember those days? I don't know. <laughs> But I remember there was the one very significant day when the Shah left the country. And this was a newspaper that was printed on that day. I mean, you couldn't get bigger letters than this. The king is gone. And I can imagine that if we go back to the time of Jesus, and there were newspapers then, they would have written something like this when they found that Jesus had gone. Jesus is gone. <laughs> but where is he gone? Why is he gone? And what's he doing? I can imagine that questions like that came into the mind. Of course, Jesus had told his disciples that he was going. He says, I am going to him who has sent me. And so where is he now? He's with the Father. And you remember that when Mary met him in the garden, and Jesus says to her, don't, don't get hold of me, because I have not yet ascended to my Father. So Jesus ascended, and the Bible tells us that he is with his father. And it says that he is seated at God's right hand. 
And I counted out there are at least 10 verses in the New Testament where it actually uses these words. That Christ is seated at God's right hand. Of course, you may remember that uh, Stephen, the very first martyr, he saw the ascended Jesus. And he could see that he was at God's right hand. Well, what's Jesus doing? What does the ascension, what does it mean to us? How does it relate to us? Well, there's five points that I want to bring to you this afternoon. The first point is this. That Christ reigns. This is the first effect, the first result of the ascension. The Bible says that God the Father has raised him to a position of honor and glory. And that right now he is reigning in glory. Now people may not believe it. They can't see it. But at the end of the age, everyone will truly understand that Christ reigns. But it's not just that this is going to happen in the future. But that right now he reigns. And this brings tremendous comfort and strength to us as believers. When we realize that the Christ who ascended is reigning with the Father. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 to 21, this is, this is the key and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name. <laughs> So this is not just talking about the future. <laughs> but this is what Christ is doing now. Above all powers. And you remember that Jesus said, he says, all power, all authority has been given to me. Whether in heaven or on earth. Now it's true that wickedness continues. And only when Christ returns, as we sang in that song in Armenian, will everything be put right. 
Եվ միայն այն ժամանակ որ Քրիստոսը վերադարձավ ամեն ինչ տեղը կդնի։ What the ascension does is it declares that that final victory will come. Ինչը համբարձումը մեզի ասում որ մեզ ցույց է տալիս որ ինչ կկատարվի վերջի օրերումը։ But what about us? Բայց մենք ինչ մեզ հա մեզի ինչ կա։ Where are we? Մենք որ տեղենք, ուրենք։ Are we down here and Christ is up there? Արդյոք մենք ցածնենք եւ Քրիստոսը երկնավոր տեղերում է։ No. Ոչ։ We share in Christ's reign. Մենք Քրիստոսի մեջ հաղորդակից ենք իր թակավորության մեջ։ We reign with him. Մենք թակավորում ենք Քրիստոսի հետ։ Now this is absolutely incredible. Շատ զարմանալի յետաքրքիր մեկ բան է։ It's almost unbelievable. Եվ երբ եմ անհավատալի մեկ բան է։ And perhaps it's difficult to understand. Եվ երբ եմ է շատ դժվար է հասկանանք։ Because how can we be down here and up there? Եվ ինչպես կարող ենք մենք ցածը լինենք եւ վերև չլինենք։ It doesn't make sense. Եվ միտք չունի։ But this is exactly what Paul says. Բայց սա Պողոս Արակյալը այս է ասում։ In Ephesians 2 verse 6 Ephesians 1 talked about Christ being over everything. In Ephesians 1, chapter 1, which we just read, it said that Christ was over everything. But look at what it says in chapter 2, verse 6. He has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Եվ նրա հետ երկնավորներում են ստեցրեց Քրիստոս Իսուսը, որ նրա եկող դարերում է Հավիտյանի ցույցտայի շնորքի գերազանց մեծությունը, Քրիստոս Իսուսի մեջ վրա ցույցված։ He has he has seated us with Christ in heavenly places. Ուրեմն մեզի նստացրել է Իսուսի հետ երկնավոր տեղերում։ Many years ago there was a very famous uh, Chinese Christian called Watchman Nee. Տարիներ առաջ մեկ հայտնի Chinese քրիստոնյան կար Watchman Nee անունով։ And uh, he wrote many books. Եվ շատ տարբեր գրքեր է գրել։ And one of his books is tells us about the meaning of the letter of the Ephesians. Եվ մեր ատգրքերից այն է մեզի բացատրում է այն Եփեսացիս գիրքը ինչի մասին է գրված։ If you don't read the book it doesn't matter too much. Because the message is in the title of the book. What's the title of the book? Sit, walk, stand. I think in He says this is what Ephesians, the letter of the Ephesians is. Remember chapter 6 talks about the spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. And what we got to do? We've got to stand. And be firm against what the enemy does. Chapters 4 and 5. They talk about how we're supposed to behave. How we're supposed to walk as Christians. But what about chapters 1 to 
It talks about our position in Christ. And it says we're, we're seated. We're relaxing. And that is our position in Christ. Now, as I said, it's difficult to understand this. Because we're down here. But what Paul is saying is, is that because if we are Christians, then we have been united with Christ. And, and we, are, we are linked with him who's up there. So that we're not down there, we're up here. We're sort of up here with Jesus. And we're looking down to what's going on on the earth. Now can you understand it? It's not easy. Because we're down here. But, but because Christ is up there, and as Christians, we are in Christ, and He is in us, so we're actually up there with Him. Now today, the weather's been very good. But you know, many times in this country, uh, it's very cloudy most days. And uh, two weeks ago when we were in Sweden, uh, it's, it's much colder than here. You don't see the sun much. And people can get very depressed. Because it's just all the time cloudy. But you know, on the day that we wanted to come back to England, we got in the airplane. And the airplane went up. And it eventually passed through the clouds. And we found... That up above the clouds, there was the sun. Now, of course, it had always been there. Sorry? It had always been there. But because you, don't, you can't see it, you might even question whether the sun is there. And this can be a bit like our Christian experience. We're living under the clouds. It's very dark and dreary and depressing. Problems and difficulties come. And we, we can forget what is our position in Christ? Because Paul constantly uses these two expressions. Christ in you. We are in Christ. We are in Christ. Christ in you. 
So in actual fact, we're we're above the clouds. Where he is, we're with him. And so we're we're looking down. We're we're reigning with Christ. And that's a wonderful blessing for our Christian experience. And that's why Paul says in Colossians chapter three. He says, if uh, Christ has, if God has raised you, let me read it properly, Colossians chapter 3. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Colossians 3 verse 1. Art yeti Christosi het haritun arag, apach untretsek verin nere. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And then verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You see, you can't see it. It's hidden. But it is real. And we rejoice in that wonderful position that we have with Christ. Christ reigns and we reign with him. And we look forward to that time as we sang in that song when Christ will come and reign over all. But what else does the ascension mean? Secondly, it means that Christ intercedes for us. And John, for example, talks about us as Christians when, when we sin, when we do things wrong. If anyone sins, he says we have an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, or as one translation says, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. You know, Jesus is a bit like um, a defense lawyer. Who defends us. You know, it's interesting that when uh, Jesus, when, when Stephen saw Jesus, it says there that, because I, I said to you, there were ten verses where it says that Christ is seated. But 
But when it talks about Stephen, it says that when Stephen saw Jesus, he was standing at God's right hand. And some think, some think that this means that just as like if you're, if, 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 if you're in a court and the, your lawyer, your defense lawyer, he wants to get up to defend you. So Jesus is the one who defends us. Mind you, I also think it could also mean this. Stephen was just about to die. Mm-hmm. And it's as though Jesus stands up to sort of welcome Stephen home. Mm-hmm. You know, come on, Stephen. Come on up. You're going to be with me. Mm-hmm. But the wonderful thing is that whether standing or seated, the ascended Lord is one who will continue to intercede for us. The Bible says he always lives to make intercession for them. And we praise God that there is somebody there who is interceding for us. And you know, it's not as though we're sort of outside in the yard and Jesus is in the house talking to his father. No, because our sins have been forgiven, we can enter the presence of God. And the Lord encourages us to come and to get help. And he says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because what does the intercession of Jesus mean for us? And this is one of the most beautiful truths of the Christian faith. There is somebody up there who understands me. Because he was once here. And he knows what pain and suffering is. He knows what difficulties and problems are. And so it says, I just read for you verse 16, but what does, chapter, what does verse 15 say? Yes, 4.15. In English it says, for... We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He's 
He sympathizes with our weaknesses. And at the end of uh, chapter 2, verse 18, he says the same thing. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. I remember years ago learning the place for these two verses. Because it was a great help to me. Hebrews 2.18 and 4.15 You know, in other beliefs and systems in the world, God is distant, He's unknowable. He doesn't relate to us. He doesn't understand us. But we believe in a God who has come into history, who's come to us. And has experienced all these things down here. For For those who have lost their home country. Who are having to live somewhere else. Who've lost their jobs, their family. Jesus was also a refugee. And had to flee to another country. You know, Jesus has gone through all these things. And it's wonderful to realize that today... There's somebody up there who understands all these things. And I can come and find help. Mm-hmm. The, one who, the one who intercedes for us. He thinks about us. He prays for us. He wants to encourage us to keep going. And that's what the ascended Jesus is doing. Well, what else does the ascension mean? Thirdly, one of the results of the ascension is that Christ gives special gifts to his church. And of course, the first gift, which was mentioned this afternoon, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to his disciples, he says, uh, don't you go anywhere. You wait for, for what he called the promise of the Father. And so they waited. I don't know if they knew how long they have to wait. I remember seeing a film uh, called The Power of the Resurrection. And uh, Jesus has just ascended. And the disciples were sat around. Mind you, the Bible tells us that they were praying. But in this film, after a few days, some of them got tired. Some of them got tired. And uh, they say, they say, why are we, why are we still here? 
Of course, God knew what he was doing. Why did God wait? Why do we have this gap of 10 days? Everything that God does is exact with the timing. And God knew on that Sunday there would be people from all over the world. This great feast called Pentecost. And that's why the Holy Spirit was sent on that day. And these people had this wonderful privilege of hearing the message, not in Greek or Hebrew, but in their own language. What a wonderful occasion. Mm-hmm. It was actually the reverse of the Tower of Babel, you remember? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were all one language at that time. Mm-hmm. And out of pride, they were trying to get to God. And God scattered them. And all the languages began. And Pentecost is the answer to here are all the people in Jerusalem. And they hear the message of Christ in their own, in their own language. And so Jesus told him, he says, I'm going. But I'm going to send someone else to help you. And I just want to remind you of one verse. This is what Jesus said in John 14. I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. I don't know what the, in Armenian, what is the word there for counselor? What word do Counselor would be because, of course, it's diff- this word can be translated in different ways. 
Because in some translations it says comforter. In the uh, newest translation in English, and also the newest translation in Farsi, they've used the word advocate. But the question I want to ask you is this. What do you think is the most important word in that sentence? Sorry? Forever? Okay. Oh. Be with you? Give. What? Okay. Okay. Well, somebody's giving the right answer. Did you get it? Sometimes I've been in a meeting and I've asked this question and people have given me all the words except the word I'm looking for. It could be said that the most, the most important word there is the word another. And that's why to translate the Greek word, perhaps the easiest word is to use the word helper. Or we can use the word companion. Because, what, what, what does all this mean? Jesus is saying it is going. Now, why is he going? We come to that in point four. But we're still in point three. <laughs> but he says he's going to send them another helper. In other words, whatever he has been to the disciples, he wants to send somebody else who's going to, going to do exactly the same thing. And he will be with you forever. Another companion. And that is the first gift that Jesus promises. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Who would give them power and boldness to be able to get out there and to preach the gospel? And that's why, as we heard today in Acts chapter one, Jesus says, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will receive power." And you'll be my witnesses everywhere. And so Christ. The one who ascends is the one who first of all gives the gift of his spirit. But also, of course, he gives gifts to his church. And it's interesting, this is directly related to the ascension. In Ephesians chapter 4, just one verse in verse 8, where Paul is quoting from the Psalms, it talks about these gifts. 
And it says in verse 8, Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. So, Rangamar Asumete, very love Barthra, Giri Arav, Girutuna, your Marthgans Park, give Nirtavav. I'm very love, you know, yeah, it's only one verse, yeah? It's a picture here of like, uh, like an army general who, who's victorious and he's coming back home and he's got all the, all the captives with him. And he gives gifts to people. So Jesus, the one who ascended, he gives gifts and these verses go on to explain how the whole purpose of these gifts is to equip the church to do the ministry of Christ. Christ is the head. We are the body. People cannot see Christ, but they can see us. And we're like the body of Christ here on earth. And through the different gifts that God has given us, we can serve in the church, and we can serve other people. And that's why in this church we put upon this, we've put this special program on with Mayor Dodd coming to speak just for eight days just on the subject of the Because as it says in these verses, it's not just that he's given apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to do the job. In fact, they're not to do the job. But they are to equip and train the believers. And that's one of the greatest dangers in churches where you've got maybe one person at the top. And people think that that person is the key person. And people just come and go like passengers. That is completely wrong and to God's word. The whole purpose of having leaders and elders is to be able to train people to do the ministry. And to use the gifts that God has given all of us in the body. And so Christ... Thirdly, therefore, gives special gifts to his children. The Holy Spirit and gifts to do the ministry. But why did he have to go? And this leads us to the fourth point. That Christ is Lord of space and time. The disciples could not understand why he had to go. 
First of all, Jesus tells him that he has to go. But then it got worse. Because he says, if I go, it's to your advantage that I go. I'm sure they were saying, why? Why do you want to go? Stay here. We can go out and change the world. But Jesus said, he says, if I don't go, then this other companion, this other helper will not come. Well, why did that helper have to come? Why couldn't Jesus have stayed here and, you know, been with his disciples? But there was a problem. Jesus was limited. Jesus was limited. Yes. Why? Because he had a body. Jesus could only work with a certain number of people. So he had his 12 disciples. And there were other people that were following. But it was a small group. Jesus could not be both in uh, Jerusalem and Tehran and London at the same time. He couldn't be with everybody everywhere. But if Jesus was to go and to return with the Holy Spirit, then everything changes. Because the Spirit of Jesus can as its spirit can be with all believers. For all time. And everywhere. He is no longer limited. And this is a crucial, important point about the ascension of Jesus. Christ needed to leave them physically in order to be able to dwell spiritually in each one of them. So they thought that Jesus was going and finished, he's gone. But what did Jesus say? He says, you go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I will be with you until the end of the age. Well, well, how is he with us? And part of the problem is that you and I, we can't see him with our physical eyes. But as we said at the beginning about our position in Christ, Christ in you, you in Christ. Jesus said to his disciples, he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I will come back to you. Now, that could refer to his resurrection. It might refer to the fact that he's going to come back in a day to come. 
But it also can refer to the day of Pentecost. Because he says, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you in me, and I in you. If anybody loves me, we will come to him, Father and Son, we will come to him. And we will make our home with him. And I find that a very exciting verse. It's like living in somebody, you know, living in a house, you know. So this body of ours is like a house. And God says, we're coming and we're going to live there. So this means that wherever I go, Jesus goes. He's always with us. So that really then, this is very interesting, the absence of Jesus after the ascension was the key to his presence with his disciples. Does that make sense? In other words, if he had not gone, he couldn't come. Because Jesus has still got his body when he, in, in heaven with the Father. But the Spirit of God has been sent to dwell in all these believers you know, and to give them the power to witness you know, and to give them the gifts to serve. So he's no longer limited to space and time. In fact, you know where he is? He's here right now. Where two or three get together, I'll be there. I jokingly once said about a prayer meeting we had here. I said so few people came to the prayer meeting and even Jesus didn't come. Because there was one person there. (laughs) Now, of course, even with that one person, Jesus is with us by his spirit. But he says, wherever two or three get together in my name, then I'm going to be there. And that's why when Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit, He says, you know him. He dwells with you. And he will be in you. I I, I think I use this illustration to show the difference of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I don't know whether any of you have ever gone sailing in a boat. Some people enjoy it. To me, it seems too hard work to do it. You know, you get in this boat that's got the big sails. 
and uh, they've got to learn to find out where's the wind coming from. And then they've got these things they keep turning so that the sails will move this way and that way. And it really, you need to be careful in these great skill and great power to be able to do all this. Maybe that somebody tries it for a while and they get tired. They say, I, I, I'm not going to continue with this. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and I'm going to buy a motorboat. And because I get into that motorboat, it doesn't matter if there's wind or no wind. All I have to do is start the motor. And, you know, and, and, and off it goes, you know. Power, you know? In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came on people. The same Holy Spirit that also left people as well. But it was on certain people for certain times. But from Pentecost onwards, it changes. Because Jesus says that Holy Spirit is going to be in you. It's like, like a motor that's inside us, you know? Given us the ability and the power to be his witnesses. So praise God for the fact that Christ went. But he has not left us alone. He, in a sense, came back with his spirit. To live in our lives. And it doesn't matter where we are, what time, who we are, we can know the presence of God working through us. But the, but the last point. There's something else that comes out in these verses in Acts chapter 1. What else does the ascension mean for us? Christ is coming again. So it's not just that Christ reigns, or, it, or that he intercedes for us, or he gives special gifts, and that he is the Lord of space and time. But he's also coming again. Now, I remember when I was in Tabriz meeting an American lady. Yes, And uh, I don't know which church she came from. But she said that uh, she started telling me that Christ had come back. I said, well, that's news to me. When did he come? So she said, well, on the day of Pentecost. What did these angels say to the disciples? Angels? Yes. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? Yeah, 
So this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so even talking about Jesus coming at the day of Pentecost with Holy, the Holy Spirit, we've got to be very careful. Because we're not saying that means that Jesus is not coming again. On the contrary, as it says here, he's going to come back in the same way that he went. And the Bible tells us that every eye will see him. And so, what the ascension is telling us is that the Jesus that is gone is going to come back sometime in the future. And what is he doing? Yes, he's interceding for us. He gives the gifts. But of course, as he himself said, I am going and I'm going to prepare a place for you. So that where I am, you might be there also. So he's gone to prepare a place for us. And he says, yes, I will return so that you might be with me forever. I wonder what kind of place that is. There's a song by a brother called Keith Green. Who uh, was killed in a plane crash. And is now with the Lord. Sorry? He's now with the Lord. But he has a song. He says, you know, Genesis says that God took six days to create the world. He says, I don't know whether that means that every day was 24 hours, but it says that it was done in six days. And then he says, Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he says, 2,000 years have gone by. We look at this world that was made in six days and we see how beautiful it is. What kind of place is Jesus preparing for us? He's been working on it all these years. But he's coming back. And will take us to be with him in glory. And what are we supposed to do as we close? <laughs> what did those men say to the disciples? Why are you stand looking up? And maybe some of us as Christians, we can just sort of stand <laughs> But Jesus tells us there's lots of work to do. 
And whenever he talks about the future, he says, be awake, watch, be alert. Not just to stand around saying, well, is he going to come today or come tomorrow? But to do what he wants us to do. John says as the last verse, he says, you know, little children, you are in Christ. And so that when Christ comes back again, that that you will have confidence. And not not be put to shame before him. And I find that a very challenging if Christ was to come today, would I be ashamed? Would I say, Lord, I'm ready? Or would we say, Lord, 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 no, no, don't please come today, don't come yet? There's a few things I've got to sort out. Christ is coming again. Let's just take a moment of quiet as we draw to a close. And let's just praise the Lord again for the meaning of the ascension. Christ is reigning now. To those of us here who really believe in Christ, do we really appreciate the position that we have in Him? He is in us and we are in Him. Because Christ is up there, he intercedes for us. He understands us. He wants to help us. We praise God for the gifts that he gives us. The gift of his spirit. The spirit of Jesus living in us. Gifts to be able to do his work. And that because Jesus is living in our hearts by his spirit, it means that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, he is with us. That's why he had to go. And we rejoice in this truth that the very Jesus who ascended is the same one who is going to come again in the same way that he went. Does that truth excite me? Or am I embarrassed and ashamed?
Father, I ask that as we draw to a close, that you will speak to our hearts whatever your message is for us today. Maybe it's to remind us that as Christ reigns, so we reign with him. Or the fact that there is somebody up there who intercedes for us, who helps us. And because he was once here, he understands, can sympathize with us in our weaknesses. Or maybe it's to realize, Father, that you have sent us another helper. Who is not just with us, but he's in us. Father, we thank you for the presence of the living Christ in our lives. And the way that on the inside you change us. You give us the power to be your witnesses. You give us different gifts in order that we might be able to serve you in the church. We ask, Lord, that you will help each one of us to find out what am I supposed to be doing? What is my place in the body of Christ? not just be passengers that come and go and that's it. But you have called each one of us to serve you. And Father, we thank you for this wonderful truth that we know and believe that Christ is coming again. And we thank you for those wonderful words that says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then we will appear with him in glory. And Lord, we don't want to be sitting around or even standing around doing nothing. But we ask, Lord, that you will help us to be faithful and to, and to be alert and, and, and to do all that you want us to do before Christ comes. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anita John, uh, Jenny, do you want to sing that song that um, we sang, the, the one that we have in Farsi as well, the uh, one on the second coming? Yes. Let's stand and uh, we'll, unless we have another one, but over to you. Let's stand and sing this uh, Armenian song which uh, reminds us that uh, Christ is coming again and that uh, he will call us to be with him in glory.
No. 